and welcome back to another edition of the Champs Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Champlin. You can hear our podcast, Champs Corner, featuring Mark Jennings on all podcast platforms. Uh, it's Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Stitcher, anything like that. We've got a great podcast today, and we are also pleased to welcome back Brian Passink. We had close to a million listens the last time Brian came on. We'll introduce Brian in just a second. Uh, but first off, uh, Mark Jennings, how are you doing? Drew, as always, it is so fantastic to be on your podcast. You know, I say this every week I come on, how much I enjoy being on your podcast. It's the best part of my week. There's nothing more I love than sharing my expertise, sharing my knowledge with you and your listeners, and hopefully informing them and and really about the game of football, whatever questions about life they may have. And I'm just so excited to be on this podcast, Drew. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic and uh, really pleased to have all three of you back on here. But, uh, you know, Brian, I left you too long last time we recorded. You had to listen to us talk for about 10 minutes before I introduced you. So let me make sure I do that much earlier in this podcast. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great, guys. I really appreciate y'all having me on again. I love your podcast. I'm a a big fan of it. and, And it's just an honor to be back on with you. Good deal. And uh, we'll we'll get to you in just a second again, Brian. But Mark, uh, obviously you being the the entrepreneur that you are owning the golf course, I'm sure you watched the Masters today. How exciting was it? uh, Or I'm sure you watched the Masters the last, you know, four days. How exciting was it to see Tiger Woods uh, get that win? Well, Drew, I've been watching the Masters. I've been very busy, you know. I've been, you know, as you know, we've talked about on the podcast and I'm a former a uh, member of the ownership group of the Birmingham Iron. Luckily enough, I was able to sell my shares for a significant profit right before the uh, the league folded. So I made a lot of money out of that. But that doesn't mean I've, I've completely uh, turned my back to the league. I've been helping a lot of players get signed with the NFL. Very recently, I helped Cole Mazza, long snapper, maybe one of my favorite players for the Iron. He just signed an NFL contract. I've been very busy with that. But uh, I happened at the Masters, Drew. You mentioned it now. I, a couple of years ago, I was blessed to become a member of Augusta National, and I was able to bring my friends with me this time to watch the tournament. Uh, Mr. Dundon, for once, some other AAF executives with me who I've gotten to know, and some really some fantastic people that were involved in the AAF. And, and uh, you know, they may use their leftover money to come to the league, the profits they made from the league folding, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but I've had a great time with Augusta Nationals week. I'm so happy for uh, for Mr. Woods. Uh, I know how hard it is to overcome a, 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 the addiction that he had. Uh, you know, we talk about drug addiction or alcohol addiction, how difficult they are, but they are. But the addiction that uh, that Mr. Woods had, the uh, the 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 uh, erotic things that he was addicted to, that's just as difficult to come uh, to get it to get over. Uh, as it is drug or alcohol. So I'm so happy for him. I'm so happy that he was able to make a comeback. And, Drew, it's just a fantastic time for me. I can't tell if you know it or not, but I'm so euphoric being able to be on your podcast today. And I hope that you and I hope that Brian, who I've known for years, I hope both of you are doing fantastic, Drew, and I'm just so glad to be here. Yeah. um, You know, I had a chance to watch some of the tournament today. They moved the – anticipating the weather – um, moved the tee times up a few hours. So, you know, Tiger, Mr. Woods got to celebrate his championship at about, I think it was around one o'clock central time. How much did you have to do with, um, with moving the weather, the, the tee times up since, you know, with your membership into Augusta national? Well, the powers that be were asking me about the weather, uh, all day on Saturday and I gave them my advice and luckily, uh, they listened to me and moved the tee times up. Uh, and we were able to get that tournament in before the storms really came in. Uh, the, the, the people that were really moving the times up, they, they missed the, they missed the, uh, uh, meteorology by a little bit. Uh, but frankly, we were able to get it all in. That's something we were very excited about. Uh, I, and I'm very excited now, it's true, that coming up soon, uh, because of my expertise in meteorology and my expertise in predicting the weather, uh, we're going to have a, a subscription service coming up to get all my, uh, weather forecasts. It's going to be $99.95 a week. You can subscribe to my podcast. Excuse me, not my podcast. This is what we do. You can subscribe to my newsletter, and I will be able to tell you what the temperature is going to be at all times during the day for the next seven days. So for only 
9995 a week, you'll be able to get all the information. I don't have the exact details uh, ironed out yet, but for now, uh, I'm just letting you know that's coming. And you're going to be able to subscribe to that and get my weather models. I've worked years on perfecting my weather models. I mean, you can listen to ABC 3340 and the other liberal media and figure out exactly, you know, you can have them what they tell you to say, and they're going to have the weather that they think is going to happen. But I know, Drew, and I know what the weather's going to be, and you can subscribe to my weather service, and I'll tell you exactly what it's going to be. But that's neither here nor there, Drew. We haven't ironed out all the details yet. We're going to work on that. And we're going to get it done. But if you if you really want to know what the weather is going to be for a hundred dollars a week, excuse me, ninety nine ninety five a week, because we had a price cut, you're going to get to know what the weather, the exact forecast, is going to be in Central Alabama. So, uh, Drew, we're not we we don't have that exact all ironed out yet, but uh, we're going to be ready to go pretty soon. I can't wait, and and I appreciate your humility here. We don't see that with the state weather. Uh, or the local meteorologists here who think they are a bigger deal than they are. But I really can't wait to see that newsletter. And I know we'll have the details on the podcast as soon as they are available. And, and Brian, I know you're anxiously awaiting that as well. Uh, what have you been up to since the, uh, since the Alabama basketball season ended? Well, you know, it's been a lot of excitement since the season ended with the coaching change and uh, recruiting news and all that, that goes on this time of year. Watching March Madness has been one of the best tournaments uh, that we can remember in years, at least going from the Sweet 16 to the Elite Eight, the Final Four in the National Championship game. So uh, a lot going on with basketball, a lot going on with Alabama basketball. Yeah, Alabama got a big commitment uh, over the weekend, a a graduate transfer named uh, Beetle Bailey. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, But, Brian, I I know deep down you were pretty invested in the Birmingham Iron as well, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe you went to a couple of games. How did the shutdown affect you? Uh, You know, I'm sure you were pretty disappointed as well when the the league ceased operations a couple weeks back. Well, very disappointed. And, you know, I had an opportunity, thanks to to Mark, to sit in the owner's box on a couple of occasions at Legion Field and had a chance to bring the family and my girls who – I uh, just love any time they get a chance to see the Jennings, especially little Marcus. Uh, my girls love seeing him and playing with him. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, watching the iron play was great. The, uh, the biggest disappointment to me is uh, we had a big uh, trip plan coming up this weekend to take the entire family to Orlando for a four-day weekend to see the iron and the Apollos and had hotel reservations and everything. And, uh, you know, obviously that's not going to happen. And, uh, close to $17,000 down the drain uh, because of, uh, you know, they not able to get my money back on that, which is disappointing, but, uh, you know, that's how it goes. So uh, kind of, I guess, you know, I had a great experience uh, getting to go to some games, but had a big family trip uh, coming up this weekend that obviously is not going to happen. So that's a huge disappointment. Yeah, the the last games of the regular season were going to be this weekend, and then the Iron had clinched a playoff spot before the league ceased operations. We're going to go back to Orlando, win that, and then go play in the AAF championship at the Star in uh, Frisco, Texas. How how disappointed was your family in, in not being able to go for the big Iron weekend, staying at the team hotel and all that? <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's the thing, is they didn't know. Uh, this was a surprise trip, and uh, reservations there at the sleep in and um, thought that we'd be able to get uh, a refund, but uh, don't have the, the status that I have with like uh, a couple of the other chains and Drury Inn and Best Western, uh, those sorts of places. But uh, unfortunately couldn't get it back. And, um, and the family, uh, they, they didn't know that this was going to be a surprise. I know my wife was a huge fan of the podcast, so she'll probably find out. I don't tell her before when she listens to the podcast that, uh, we had a big family trip uh, scheduled, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to do something this summer to make up for it. Oh, that sounds good. I'm sure, I'm sure she'll be excited to hear what you have planned out there. Speaking of the Iron, uh, <clears throat> playing the Legion Field this year, they're going to begin playing uh, at the new Birmingham Downtown Stadium. And, Mark, I know you and I talked about this a few weeks ago, how all the seats are either going to be black or silver, none of this green and yellow stuff. Uh, naming rights were just secured for the downtown stadium. It's about protective life. It's going to be called Protective Stadium. And, and Mark, I know offline we had talked a little bit about that, and you weren't ready to talk about it publicly on the podcast. 
did you still have anything to do with the uh, with with the discussions here and the contracts and all that? I did. I was actually one of the lead negotiators on the uh, on the contract. I appreciate you asking me about that. But uh, frankly, once the iron left town, uh, we lost a lot of, uh, of of leverage with the naming rights, and we weren't able to secure the type of contract that we wanted to. Uh, as if the iron were in town. So uh, it's unfortunate the way it happened. Uh, the stadium lost a ton of value with the uh, Alliance ceasing operations. And, again, I apologize to Brian uh, for what happened to his family. But at the end of the day, I have to look out for myself and my family. And I made I was able to make a lot of money by, by selling my shares beforehand. And it's unfortunate that people like uh, my good friend Brian over here wasn't able to uh, – uh, or, or lost a lot of money in the deal, but it is what it is, and, and I'm sorry that happened. But uh, I'm sorry for the city of Birmingham, really. But uh, it, it's unfortunate what happened with the stadium and the naming rights. I wish that the iron were still around, that that we could negotiate the type of value that we think that it deserved. But uh, there's not much I can do about it now, and we didn't get a, get a, get as good a deal with the stadium as we wanted to, and that's really unfortunate. For yeah. It's such a shame, but, you know, we, we really grew a lot of the iron interest with the podcast and having, you know, exclusive interviews with the, with the minority owner of the iron on the podcast. And, you know, it's really, it's really remarkable what you guys were able to do in, in just eight weeks of time. But moving on to the final four of the national championship game, Virginia beats Texas Tech in the final. And, um, <clears throat> This is obviously, you know, Virginia winning this, it's not only special because they were the first one to lose to a 16 seed last year. I mean, I personally got goosebumps watching, uh, you know, Virginia beat Texas Tech in overtime, Braxton Key getting a key block at the end of regulation, Kyle Guy uh, cold-blooded hitting those free throws against Auburn in the in the Final Four game. But, uh, Mark, I know you and Brian have some great history when it comes to Virginia. Um, uh, Mark, why don't you start and, and, and tell us about that and, and how, how why Virginia is such a special school when it relates to you and Brian Passing. Well, Drew, I've been hearing about the sharpshooter out of the state of Georgia back when he was three and four years old. And, and, and frankly, Drew, I'm not a pedophile, and I'm not going to go track around a three- and four-year-old playing basketball. So I waited until he was 13 years old, and I, I followed him to the Terry Holland, Terry Holland basketball camp in Charlottesville, Virginia. Of course, Terry Holland, the great coach of the University of Virginia. And I was able to watch this, this young man play at 13 years old, uh, very mature for his body. Just a fantastic basketball player for his age. Really had uh, – the, the basketball maturity he's had, not only in the way he played the game, but his, his physical appearance was really just eye-popping to me. And, and he really showed out at, the, at this camp, the Terry Holland camp at the University of Virginia, Virginia. He won the Hot Shot Championship uh, at just at the age of 13 years old. And that's really what stood out to me. From then on, I was able to watch him and, and really guide him uh, for his college choice and where he's going to go with his future basketball career. So that's how I met uh, Brian Passing, of course, and I've known him ever since. All right. And, Brian, what are some of your memories uh, from that tournament, from the Hot Shot or the Hot Shot Championship, whatever it was back then? Well, I remember my dad telling me, that when you go to these camps and uh, no matter how old you are, there's going to be people watching. There's going to be coaches. Uh, there's going to be recruiting experts. There's going to be people who you want to make a good impression on. And that afternoon or that week, actually, in Charlottesville, I didn't know who was in the stands watching. I wasn't paying attention. I was just trying to play and uh, have, a, have a good week of basketball camp. And uh, fortunately for me, uh, Mark Jennings was in the stands, and I, I saw him up there a couple of times talking to my dad. I didn't know uh, who he was. My dad later explained uh, what Mark did and, and the impact that he could potentially have on my basketball career. Uh, so I'm kind of glad I didn't know at the time uh, because I would have been nervous out there. I was just, you know, a 12, 13-year-old kid playing basketball, trying to, uh, trying to, to get better and, and hopefully earn a scholarship one day and 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 fortunately that happened and uh, mark played a big role in that and uh, i'm not sure if if that that uh, week in charlottesville wouldn't have happened if uh how things would have progressed for me in my career so uh thankful that that mark was there and that he was able to do for me uh what, what i'd always dreamed of and that was playing college basketball 
Absolutely. And everybody remembers Brian Passing being a big, big three-point shooter for Alabama in the early to mid-90s. And Coach Oates, Coach Nate Oates, is going to need some more shooters going into this season. And he picks up a graduate transfer commit, James Beetle Bolden, who played at West Virginia the past four years, redshirted one year with a knee injury. That was back during his true sophomore year. Uh, he also had some injuries this year, played in just 18 games, started 12, uh, 12.2 points a game, 2.6 rebounds, 2.5 assists. Not a big guy, but, you know, when you, when you look at what Coach Oates is looking for, I think uh, Beetle Bolden really fits the bill. Mark, uh, what's, what's your insights on, on uh, James, uh, Christian name James, nickname Beetle Bolden? Well, first of all, Drew, before I answer that question, I want to say the thing, one of the things that impressed me the most about Brian at that uh, University of Virginia, Virginia camp was, was his body. And even as a 12-year-old, you could tell he had the potential to grow into his body and, and really become a fantastic basketball player. I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough is, as a recruiting experts like myself and the guys at 24-7, the guys at Rivals, is, you know, we're really looking at, you know, these 12-year-olds and their bodies and how they can grow and, and get bigger and get better. And Brian had a fantastic figure for 12-year-olds, and we're very excited about that. Uh, but on the Beetle Bolden, you look at him play, he's a really an up-tempo player. Uh, and you mentioned the stats, are average 12 points, uh, two and a half rebounds, two and a half assists in his, his, his 18 games. Uh, he started 12 times, but obviously he should have started more. He's in the doghouse and Coach Huggins for a while. He's really a career – he's a career 40% three-point shooter. Uh, he's six feet tall. He's 180 pounds, originally from Covington, Kentucky. He reminds a lot of a guy out of the state of Alabama, actually. Uh, a guy who went on playing in the SEC, has became a fantastic SEC basketball player. Uh, now he's back in the state of Alabama, really turned his life around. And of course, I'm talking about Bart Heisch. Do you remember Bart Heisch, Drew? Uh, yeah, at a Winfield, that Bart Heisch, who uh, I think he played in the Final Four with Mississippi State. That's the exact Bart Heisch, Drew, went on and played in the Final Four. I believe they lost to Syracuse, I believe. But he is, it's, a, it's a place that uh, – uh, Mississippi State had some fantastic progress with him and the team, and, and a lot of that had to do with his leadership and his ability. So I couldn't think any more highly of Bart Heiss than I already do now. And when I say – when I compare Beetle Bolden to Bart Heiss, it's really one of the greatest compliments I can give. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the talent that played in the Big 12 last year, even though, you know, over the last couple of years or so, where would you say that Beetle Bolden ranked among those type of players? I'm sorry, can you, can you uh, repeat the question, Drew? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. When you look at the talent uh, in the Big 12 over the last year or two, was Beetle Bolden like a top 10 player or anything like that or more of just a role player? Just trying to get the, get, give Alabama fans a, uh, just a, kind of the gist on what they'll be getting here. Well, I think he's going to be able to start and play a role. I, I can't tell you what Nart Oates is thinking right now with the Alabama basketball roster. You know, uh, right now I'm thinking he's going to start Kyra Lewis, he's going to start John Petty. But you're looking at a guy who can come off the bench and play 15, 20 minutes a game. There's not a guy you can get better in terms of grad transfer than Beetle Mold. So uh, this guy's a great Big 12 player, Drew. I gave you his stats earlier. But he's going to be able to come in and he's going to be able to really contribute in the SEC. And, and, and you know, Nate, Coach Oates, you know, I've known him for a long time. He's not going to want to play just one point guard. He's going to want to play two, two point guards. He wants to be able to play multiple guys who can bring the ball up the floor, and Beetle Bowling can certainly play that role for him. So I, I expect him to get significant playing time uh, next year for the Alabama basketball program. Yeah, I think so as well. You know, Kyra Lewis Jr. and John Petty were both in the transfer portal, pulled their names out. Uh, one key guard from last year, Dazon Ingram, looks like he's going to stay in the transfer portal. And, uh, and then Daniel Giddens, the big center as well. Don't expect those two guys back up. Uh, Brian, you know, you've been the color analyst for quite a long time with Alabama. You've been through, I believe, uh, four coaches are going into your fourth coach. How, uh, from what you uh, know about Coach Nate Oates and his system, how important is it to have a guy like Bolden? Um, and do you, you expect to see a lot of uh, Kyra Lewis and, and Beetle Bolden playing at the same time together? Yeah, I, I could see those guys playing together. If you like to play up-tempo, uh, you like to push the ball in transition, uh, can shoot it from three. You have to be excited about Nate Oates. So it's one of the reasons why Kyra Lewis is back. He, uh, by all accounts, was looking to transfer, obviously put his name in the portal, decided to come back. Once he saw the vision of this Alabama program under Nate Oates, 
uh, and the up-tempo style, uh, first in the country last year in transition points, third in offensive tempo. So as a point guard, uh, you have to love this style of play. If, if you're a guy that likes to get up and down, shoot threes, like John Petty, he's coming back. Uh, there's an excitement around the program with Nate Oates, and uh, you just have to look at what he's done over the last four years at Buffalo. Uh, he's got a proven track record of success, getting in the NCAA tournament, uh, winning games against high-caliber teams, uh, but he's done it in a fashion that gets players excited, that gets fans excited. Um, Alabama has has not played this type of style really in its history. Um, Alabama's had a lot of uh, great coaches and a lot of winning teams. Alabama second in the SEC uh, in number of wins and winning percentage, second obviously to Kentucky. Uh, but still, this is a, a basketball program that despite some of the ups and downs in recent years, has a proud history. Uh, but this program hasn't played in the way that, that we're about to. Uh, so if you care about Alabama basketball, you have to be excited about what Nate Oates and his staff is bringing. Uh, by all accounts, the, the, the workouts have been going really well. It's going to be a transition, uh, playing a different style than these guys are used to. Uh, but I, from what I understand, everybody around the program, inside the program, is really excited about the future in the near future. I think this team has a chance to be pretty good next year. Yeah, I think so as well. And, and we'll talk about one recruit that Alabama hope would love to add from in-state in just one second. But let me let me stick with the current roster here, Brian. Uh, you know, Tevin Mack put his name in the – he's going to test the NBA waters. But he's a guy – you know, let's let's assume he does come back. You um, Getting Kyra and Petty back, losing, you know, Dante Hall, Riley Norris, Walson Schaefer, uh, <clears throat> Giddens and Dazon Ingram, Deontay Wood, the redshirt freshman guard, put his name in the transfer portal. Um, you know, Nate Oates likes to have players who can shoot the three. And uh, I, I really want you to make the case for a couple of big men. And you would know more about JV and Davis Fleming than I would if you saw him in practice last year. He redshirted. I uh, don't know if that was a health issue or just maybe to get him in better shape. But, uh, you know, he's still in the team as of now. Galen Smith, same. He's played a lot over the past two years. But uh, outside shooting is not something you would you would say when you talk about Galen Smith, although he, you know, he gives a lot of effort. He's had some, some moments here and there. State the case for these two guys. How, how could these two guys fit in, in Coach Nate Oates' uh, and, and what he wants to do? Well, I'll take Galen Smith first, and he's a, the type of player that anybody would like to have on their team. He, he's a, a post presence. Uh, he's up and down on the offensive end, but a really good low post defender. Always brings – effort and toughness on the low block and even though Nate Oates wants to play up and down and play with four and five guys that can shoot the three uh, that is not who Galen Smith is but when you're playing teams that have a guy that you can dump it down on the block that can score you you have to have a guy like Galen Smith that can defend the low post that can rebound the basketball that can play with effort and toughness so there's absolutely a place uh, for Galen Smith on this Alabama team, even though he may not be the prototypical Nate Oates type player. And, and uh, uh, Javion Davis Fleming, uh, who had a knee injury, uh, got better. He's healthy now. He's a highly skilled uh, big man. He's 6'7, 6'8. Uh, he's lost some weight. I think he's down to uh, 240, 250 pounds. Uh, with the style of Nate Oates, he, he may need to lose a little bit more weight. But those guys right now are trying to get in condition to play this style. But having a chance to watch Javion play uh, all season long in practice, or not all season, he was, had the knee injury, but came on late, was able to practice some late in the year. What I saw w was a guy that was really skilled, uh, can dribble, pass, and shoot. I'm not sure he has three-point range, but if it's not three-point range, it's close to it. Uh, so I, I really like his game. Uh, because he, he, he can find the open man. He's looking to make the extra pass. Uh, defensively, he's engaged. Uh, he, he talks a lot on defense. He's a good communicator on the floor. So I'd be interested to see what he could do in this system. I, I hope he gets that chance, but I, I think he's a guy that also has a bright future. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing what these guys can do as well. Uh, but it looks like as of right now, the roster's at 12 scholarship players uh, looking for one more if they want to fill it out with 13. Trended Watford out of Mountain Brook High School. He's got a final five, LSU, Alabama, 
um, <clears throat> Memphis, Indiana, and Duke. And, you know, it seems like, you know, at least two, maybe three of those schools have been mentioned as possible number one schools for Trendon Watford. Maybe Alabama further back in the day, maybe a lot more momentum with Memphis lately and then LSU throughout the season. LSU just announced tonight, we're recording this on Sunday, that they have uh, reinstated head coach Will Wade after his suspension, despite, uh, you know, there being a tape saying, talking about a strong-ass offer uh, in relation to uh, freshman guard Javante Smart. But with Trenton Watford, about 6'8", 6'9", you know, five-star uh, five forward, McDonald's All-American. Mark, what are you hearing about Trenton Watford these days? Because he's coming up on announcing a commitment soon. Uh, well, Drew, you know, I've been in a relationship and I've been in contact with the Watford family, and, and he's committing on April 20th, one of my favorite days of the year. I know we've talked about this off the year, but I have a lot of investments in uh, CBD companies all over the country. But uh, I'm excited about him committing on 420. But frankly, I, I, I would be uh, – it's hard-pressed for me to think that he would be uh, committing to Alabama at this point. Uh, frankly, I think he'd be committing to the University of Memphis. I think that's the leader right now, and I'd be shocked if he uh, committed to anywhere other uh, than the University of Memphis at this point, Drew. All right, so we'll see what happens there. You know, Alabama, uh, <clears throat> Coach Oates had signed a player named James Rojas out of uh, junior college, a junior college All-American, who's also, you know, kind of built like Watford. I think he's a six-seven wing type player, maybe a four. So, you know, if, if he gets his release from Buffalo and, and Watford signs with Memphis, I think this is a guy who could end up at Alabama. Uh, we'll sort out all that roster mess on a future podcast, maybe in a couple weeks or so. But, um, you know, the last time we had Brian on the podcast, it was really interesting. You know, the questions we had for Brian, the questions Brian had for Mark. So we'll get to that. And then we have a few listener questions as well. But, uh, uh, you know, Brian, for you, you know, you being a former Alabama basketball player, you're still very involved with the program, obviously being uh, the color analyst for the basketball games. I know you have several friends, or, or I don't know if you want to call them friends or not, but acquaintances who who played with Auburn. I'm sure you work with several Auburn fans. Uh, well, how are they doing after that really tough, excruciating loss to Virginia in that semifinal game? Well, yeah, I do. And I've several Auburn friends, and um, you know they're they're excited about what they accomplished, but very disappointed uh, in the last game of the season and, and the way it unfolded. And uh, felt like uh, they got a a raw deal. And you know, I can only imagine being that close uh, to playing for a national championship. So, um, you know, I, I understand. I I, I think Auburn fans should be really proud of, of what they accomplished, had uh, the best year in school history, uh, had a chance to win the national championship. And uh, anytime you make a run uh, in March Madness and get to a Final Four, uh, that is an incredibly successful year. And all group fans should be real proud of that. All right, Mark, you have something for Brian? I do, and Brian, I have a question about you say it's the best year in Auburn basketball history. Do you think it was better than the – uh, I believe it was the 1999 team that ended up being the number one seed. and They didn't make a run to the Final Four, but they didn't be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament and made a, uh, won the SEC, I believe. Do you think this year was better than that year? Yeah, I, I would say it's close. You know, those were some good years. You go back to the, the, the Charles Barkley uh, years and Chuck Parsons. They've had some good teams. Uh, they've had pockets of success over the years, but uh, the – the final four in college basketball, as you know, Mark, is is a destination in itself. Even though they lost the game uh, to Virginia in heartbreaking fashion, uh, to get to the final four is something that you get a ring for, you hang a banner for, uh, and so Auburn has that. So I would I would say this is the best year that they've ever had. Okay, well I I will have to agree to disagree at that point, but that's that's neither here nor there. You know, my point is Loyola made the best the NCAA Final Four last year, but nobody cares. Mike even know where Loyola is. That's neither here nor there. Uh, my question for you, Brian, is is you know a lot of basketball players, you played a lot of players, and and who is who is the best basketball player that you played with, and and also of those people, uh, who is the best golfer of those people that you played with? Um, so who's the best basket, just, oh, just outright basketball player, basketball um, player slash golfer is slash golfer. I thought I okay. made that pretty clear. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I've got you now. Um, you know, gosh, I played with some great athletes. Um, 
you know, as far as best golfer, maybe Roy Rogers, uh, who you remember is a came in uh, from from Linden, Alabama, six um, ten, uh, athletic, got got in the weight room, got stronger, uh, became a first round draft pick, and uh, also has a really good short game on the golf course. Uh, so you know he would be one that comes to mind, just kind of a natural athlete. Uh, and then you know as far as you know guys that are affiliated uh, with Alabama basketball, I, to to this day I, I play golf with Wimp Sanderson uh, on a fairly regular basis who. Uh, can still uh, hit it a, a whole lot better than me. Uh, but Wimp Sanderson is a terrific golfer. And uh, where do you guys go play golf, uh, Brian, you and Wimp, Coach Sanderson? Well, we play at different places. Our favorite, obviously, is uh, Mark's course that he's had us out a couple times. And um, just, you know, it's so, so much fun to get out there uh, with Coach and um, Mark and his staff uh, treat us like kings out there. So uh, that's something that we both really enjoy. And, uh, Mark, I know I've told you this a, a bunch, but I can't say it enough how appreciative uh, we are that you you let us come out there and, and hope we can continue to do that. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you guys out there. You know, you can always come play for free. I know you guys, I know, I've known Coach Sanderson forever, and, and I always love having you guys out there. But, I was listening to the uh, the radio broadcast of the Auburn uh, game in the Final Four, and former coach, Auburn coach Sonny Smith, uh, he called the referee a quote-unquote crook uh, because he didn't appreciate the calls that he made. Uh, what is the most – what is the worst thing uh, – you've been on the air. you got a lot of experience by now. What's the worst thing that you've ever said about a referee while you were on the air? Well – First of all, it's really hard when you're emotionally invested in a game. And one thing that, that I try to do, and, and Chris Stewart uh, does this as well, is, is not comment on the officiating, especially when you're upset, um, because it, it's, it's a tough situation for them. Uh, I you know, try to maintain professionalism on the air and, and handle it that way. I have had a situation where I've talked to uh, an official after the game. Uh, it was probably 10 or 12 years ago. We were at a tournament uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, and went back to the hotel. And one of the officials that had called the game that I didn't like some of the calls uh, that went against uh, Alabama, and we ended up losing the game. I saw at the hotel and talked to him and felt like uh, he was uh, anticipating calls. And it's a guy that um, was a young and up-and-coming official, and ended up becoming a really good official. His, his name is James Breeding. He's one of the top officials in college basketball. And I told him in a, in a very nice way uh, that I thought he was anticipating calls. And he took it. Uh, we had a good conversation. And he's now one of the uh, – maybe the best official in college basketball. I've watched several of his games. I can't even recall uh, him missing a call. Uh, so he's turned into a great official. But I try not to do it over the air. But if I see these guys, we get to know them. Um, you know, it, it, when we see them in hotels and airports and at the game, try to confront them in, in a nice, professional, co constructive way. Yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. How, uh, especially about James Breeding, who, who Auburn fans may disagree with you there, but I thought he was right on with that call. So, um, <clears throat> what? Frankly, he was the best, best officiated Final Four I've ever seen, Drew. I thought so as well. Uh, Brian, would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I thought it was really good uh, in terms of the officiating. Yeah. What was something uh, – because, you know, you played you, – you have played SEC basketball, uh, but, you know, when you first started this, how did you kind of have to get into that state to where, you know, you just can't go off the chains or anything like that if things aren't going Alabama's way? Well, it's really hard. And I've depended on Chris Stewart, who uh, is – at least from from a play by play guy, is is as good as it gets. He he is a professional. He's great. He's passionate, um, and so I've learned a lot from Chris. And uh, it's hard, especially when the game's on the line and you feel like uh, things aren't going your way. It, it's it's tough uh, to to call a game that way. But it's what makes it fun too. It's why I love my job as color analyst with Alabama is because. Uh, you are so emotionally invested. This is 
my team. This is where I went to school. This is where I played. Uh, I love Alabama. I love Alabama basketball. And to be able to call those games for me is, is just, you know, it, it's amazing. So uh, the hard part is when you lose because uh, you, you're so emotionally invested in these games. I've done games where I was a, a neutral broadcaster. And it's fun because it's basketball, but it's not the same. I wouldn't trade doing Alabama for anything. But in those situations, it is hard. Brian, you, you know, you've been connected. You've been in Mountain Brook forever now. And Jay Barker, my, my good friend, lives in Mountain Brook. And, and I love both of you guys. And, and, and uh, my, my question to have for you is, you know, Jay Barker uh, has a son who plays on the Alabama football team. But Jay Barker has been really outspoken in his support of, of, of Auburn basketball recently. And his, he, he really wants them to do well. Uh, is it a common thing for former Alabama athlete, athletes to to cheer for Auburn? And if it isn't, how far back do you remember uh, Jay Barker cheering for Auburn and wanted them to be to have successful athletic programs? Well, you know, I, I don't know that I would call Jay an Auburn fan. He's a obviously a, a, a great uh, former Alabama player. One. Uh, our school national championship, and uh, I have nothing but respect for Jay. And there, there are some um, Alabama graduates and and those a few that played that um, were cheering for Auburn. Now that was not me, so I can't speak for them. I, I'm uh, someone who appreciated the way that Auburn played uh, and want to congratulate them for a very successful year. But um, I can't imagine cheering for Auburn. And so that's just the way that I operate, and others are different. Interesting. Well, I know, uh, Brian, you have some questions for Mark as well. Why don't you, uh, you know, take take over from here for, with those, and then we'll get to some listeners. Yeah. Th- thanks, Drew. I, I know that, uh, you know, one of the things that meant a lot to me when I ended my career in Alabama uh, was – going to Mark and, and getting advice, career advice. So I wanted to ask, uh, have you had a chance uh, to, to meet with Riley Norris, Lawson Schaefer, Dante Hall, uh, and give them career advice? Because I know um, pretty much every Alabama player that's come through uh, that, that has asked for your advice has always gotten really good advice. So have you done that? And if so, can you share Absolutely, Brian. You know, first of all, I've known you forever, and I know that you're, you might be a little intimidated being on this podcast. You don't have to be so professional. You can just ask. You can just ask whatever question you want. But I mean, I'm more than happy to answer it. You know, Dante Hall. You know, he's a he's a big guy. He's a, he's a freaky athletic guy. I told him to go to uh, to pursue a career uh, playing professional basketball. He has a type of ability, and frankly, he can uh, uh, make sure he's totally prepared for every game and, and and really give 100%. There's no reason he can't make a lot of money. Uh, Raleigh Norris, you know, I, I'm not sure uh, what the future holds for him. Uh, I think he can go play professional basketball somewhere, maybe in Mexico or Angola. Uh, but he has he has the ability to go play professional basketball if he wants to. He, with his work effort, effort and his, uh, uh, his go-getiveness, he can go play somewhere. Lawson Schaefer, who I, who I love, and I've known him forever. Uh, his whole family out of Coleman. I'm so happy for him. He's going to go be a success wherever he goes. And, and frankly, I want him uh, – I, I want to be the first step to his success, and that's why I've, off, I've offered uh, Lawson Schaefer, who's a brilliant guy, this incredibly smart guy. I've offered him an internship to go work for me and go work for my company now he's graduated. He hasn't determined whether or not he's going to accept it yet, but I'll be more than honored to have uh, Lawson Schaefer be part of my company. So I'm waiting to hear from him and see what he says, but uh, I think he'd be a fantastic fit uh, for my enterprises, for my golf course, and all my dipping dots and all the other ventures I have. And, you know, I've been looking to replace Caden since he's off in Paris Island now with the Marines. And frankly, I think that uh, Lawson Schaefer would be a perfect fit for, for that. But I haven't heard back from him yet, but uh, we're going to see how that goes. Uh, but I, I think well, they're all going to have grow out and have great futures and have great careers going forward. But uh, I'm really hoping that Lawson Schaefer, Mr. Schaefer, and uh, his parents, if you're listening, I hope they convince him to uh, 
take a job working for me and running my Dippin' Dots enterprise. And I think that'd be a great uh, first step for him in his future career. Wow, that, no, that's great about all three guys, but uh, specifically Lawson, what a great opportunity for him. And, you know, I know Lawson is a, a thoughtful young man and wants to carefully consider his future. But uh, knowing Lawson, knowing the family, I, I don't see him turning that down. That's just too too good of an opportunity to pass up. So uh, congratulations to all those guys, but especially Lawson on that opportunity. Uh, Martin, next question is, We've talked about some of the, the different things going on with Alabama basketball and uh, Kyra returning, uh, recruits that are committed and coming. But there was big news last week um, that you guys haven't touched on yet, and that was the announcement by Britton Johnson that he's going to be returning to school for his sophomore year. And, Mark, I, I believe uh, you had a role in that in advising him. What can you tell us about that? Well, you know, I've, I've known his family forever, you know, and you're in Mountain Brook and you know his family as well. And, and I, I'm so proud of him. And I, he had a lot of tempt- he has a lot of temptations in his life and, and what he wants to do. I know his dream is to play professional basketball, but luckily uh, I was able to talk him coming back, talk him into coming back to school this year. And, and, but frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if he blows up this year and becomes a, uh, enters the NBA draft next year. He's got so much talent. And he's got so much of a potential future ahead of him as a professional basketball player. And I'm so proud of him for making the mature decision to come back next year. But uh, I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to be a successful basketball player one day. And, and he has a fantastic future ahead of him. And, uh, but this is the correct decision for him and his family right now. And I, I am so looking forward to seeing him uh, play next year at the collegiate level and seeing where he goes. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and it's exciting to imagine Britain in NATO's system uh, playing up and down. So it had to be appealing for him to play in that system and also come back and uh, spend more one more year teaming up with Tyler Barnes. So uh, that's an exciting duo to watch. Uh, Mark, my last question is what player comp and coach comp do you have for NATO's Alabama's new head man? Well, you know, I've been a Nate O's fan forever since he was in Michigan coaching high school basketball. And we talked about this on last week's podcast, how I'm responsible for him getting into college coaching and and uh, really getting that first opportunity. Uh, and, and look at the way he's blown up since. So I'm so proud of him, so coach, so proud of Coach Oates. And it really is a, a weird thing that life works out that uh, he's gone back in, in Alabama now. He's right down the road from me, and he's uh, – and tried to build the Alabama basketball program. But uh, he's just a fantastic coach. I'm so happy for him. But when I look at him coach, I look at the way he plays, the type of revolutionary that he is. Uh, you know, back in the you know back in the day, uh, the revolutionary ways weren't run up and down the floor and score 100 points a game. The revolutionary ways were, you know, play the press defense, really pressure the ball, play that matchup zone. Uh, and and he really reminds me a lot of one of my good friends, and frankly, should still be getting the college coaching right now. It's disappointing that he isn't it. And it says about a lot about the college coaching profession that he's not coaching anymore. Brian, forgive me for saying that, but of course, I'm talking about my good friend John Cheney. Drew, do you remember John Cheney? Are we talking about the John Cheney that threatened to to uh, to fight or, or to beat up John Calipari when when Cheney was at Temple and Coach Cal was at Massachusetts that that John Cheney it, it's that John Cheney Drew and let me say this in defense of my good friend John Cheney uh, John Calipari went on to have two NCAA Final Fours vacated uh, from his record and now you can't say that about John Cheney so frankly uh, John Cheney was completely right about that and good for him and and it's uh, it's a disappointing that. Uh, Coach Calipari turned out that way. I know. I know Coach Calipari uh, from when he was at the University of Kansas. The assistant coach married a girl from Osceola, Missouri. Uh, I'm not either here nor there, Drew. But I'm disappointed in the way that turned out. But uh, John Cheney is one of the guys that I could have the most highest respect for. And, and when I compare a coach to John Cheney, uh, that that's my highest seal of approval I can give. So. Uh, I look forward to seeing what Nate Oates can do at Alabama. He's a fantastic coach. He can do fantastic things. Brian, do you have any experience with John Chaney throughout your playing or broadcasting career? Uh, no, I don't, but um, a big fan of his style of play and intensity. And, uh, you know, that, that's 
got to be exciting for Alabama basketball fans to hear that comparison. All right. We will close this out with some listener questions. We, we had about, uh, about 100 or 200 come in. We had to cut it down to the three best ones for time constraints. First off, Mark, why don't you tell everybody how they can find you on social media? Well, Drew, you know, as always, we have the best listeners in the country listening to this podcast. And uh, if you want to find me on social media, mostly I'm on Twitter these days. My Twitter handle is at MarkJennings55. That's one word, at MarkJennings55. But I still do email. Uh, still back like a caveman, I do email. If you want to email me, my email address is uh, MarkBreaksDownFilm at AOL.com. That's one word. Mark breaks down film at AOL.com. That's B-R-E-A-K-S uh, for guys who don't know how to spell breaks. So I'm there. I, you can find me there. You can find me on Twitter. I'm so excited. You guys ask the best questions every week, and, and I still look forward to answering them. I love hearing from you guys. So two of our questions are for Brian, and, and one is for Mark. And I will say that we had a lot of questions about the Masters and the weather forecast and Tiger Woods that we – we kind of sort of answered them throughout the podcast, I think. So that's kind of where we are here. But, uh, Brian, we hear from Matt Scalisi, and he says, uh, what is the best advice Mark has ever given you? Wow, that's a tough question because uh, Mark has given me so much good advice over the years. I would say uh, as a player, he, he worked um, so much with my footwork and my free throw shooting um, and, and really got me – on track to become a a good shooter, good free throw shooter, and without that, um, probably no chance of me playing college basketball. So that's that's the best advice he's given me on the court, and just over the years, a lot of good financial advice. And Mark doesn't like to talk about it. He's done incredibly well uh, financially, and and he's extremely unselfish in giving advice uh, to his longtime friends. So I've always been appreciative of that as well. All right. Uh... Mark, this comes from Matthew Pate. Mark, a bit off topic here, but what paint color would you recommend for a living room? Thanks for your expert painting advice. Well, I mean, it depends. What What's the color of his furniture? He, he doesn't say. I mean, this is the second week in a row, Drew, I've gotten interior design questions, and I don't know what else is going on. I mean, last week you asked me about the, 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 the type of hardwood floors, but not give me any detail. Now you're asking for the color of livery, not giving me the furniture color. I don't know, man. Look, here's the deal with interior design. You guys ready? You got to have some contrast with your colors. All right. So if you have dark furniture, you want to have a light, uh, you want to have light painting on your walls, maybe a taupe or something. If you got real light furniture, you want some dark colors to contrast with you. You want that color to pop. You want that color to really stand out. But I, I can't answer these questions unless you guys give me some more detail on what you're doing. Right. So if you got like a baby blue uh, furniture, I wouldn't say, well, you should get some, uh, I don't know, what's a light color, some pastel green walls. I wouldn't say that but because I, I, that would be ridiculous to say, right? I'm not going to say give you a taupe wall with some light colored furniture. That wouldn't make any sense. And I wouldn't say put some black wall when you've got some, you know, dark brown furniture. That wouldn't make any sense. So y'all need to be a little more specific with your questions. And or I can help you because you want that you want your room you want the color to pop you want that color to pop because it makes your room look bigger you want to look like you have a lot more space than you actually do but I can't answer these questions unless you guys get a little more specific so um, from now on going forward if you have interior design questions uh, you know be a little more specific tell me what you're dealing with here because I can't answer these on the simple little little the questions I get I don't see these questions beforehand. You know, yeah. Drew just reads them out to me, and I don't know what we're talking about here. So yeah, that's, give, me, give me a little more detail, and we can we can do. I can answer your questions a little better going forward. Yeah, did you tell Lawson Schaefer when you offered them the internship that our screening listener questions would be part of that? I, that has been explained to him, Drew. I interviewed him, and he understands what the job entails and uh, screening questions. He knows, and I look forward to have somebody that can screen these questions, Drew, a little better and. And because it's frustrating to me not getting all the information about a question so I can answer it, answer it fully. And, and, I, and I feel bad because these people take their time. They listen to the podcast and, 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 and they look for me for expertise, but I can't give them the proper expertise they, they demand and they desire unless they give me the full information. And I can't get that 
let's ask somebody screening questions for them. All right. Well, yeah, so listeners, uh, keep, keep that in mind. Our last question comes from Chip, and, and Chip at J.C. Gifford, really putting Brian on the hot seat here. He says, Brian, why couldn't you close out on that Oklahoma State guy on that late three-point shot attempt? Well, um, going back to the 1995 NCAA tournament, it was Randy Rutherford uh, who was on fire from the three-point line, and um, I guarded him a little bit. But in my defense, I was trying to to help Antonio McDice, who was really struggling guarding big country uh, Bryant Reeves. So uh, if Antonio would have done a little better job, uh, I wouldn't have had to help out, and that's why uh, they were able to make so many threes in that game. Yeah, it was a tough, uh, tough game for the Crimson Tide that day. Was that your last game, or did you play the next season, Brian? That was it, my senior year. Um, so I appreciate the, the question there to, to relive a bad memory. But um, in the second round of the NCAA tournament, we beat Penn. Uh, in the first round, the 5-12 game in overtime, Antonio McDice was great in that game, 40 points, 20 rebounds. Uh, and then we played Oklahoma State. Uh, big country, Randy Rutherford, they ended up going to the Final Four. Yeah, really great team. Well, that will wrap up this week's edition of the Champs Corner Podcast. Another great uh, – some great information uh, business-related from Mark Jennings, a little bit of prospects here as well. Also some great Alabama basketball talk from Mark G- uh, from Brian Passing. But, Brian, uh, once again, I want to thank you for coming on and spending your Sunday evening with us. Well, it's my pleasure. It's an honor to be on with you guys. I've known Mark forever. Uh, he's been a, a great friend for decades uh, and, and just love being on the podcast with you guys. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, and Mark, uh, thank you as well for, for taking time out of your busy evening, breaking down film, planning out the week of the golf course and any other business ventures you've got coming up. Drew, as always, I love coming on your podcast. We've got another ladies' golf tournament coming up this week at the course, and so I'm busy working on that. But thank you so much for having me, Drew. I hope we can talk to you again real soon. All right, and to let everybody know, please search for the Champs Corner podcast on any podcast app. Uh, You can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow me at Drew Champlin. Please share with your friends as well. Thank you so much to everybody who listens, and uh, we will talk to you guys soon.